Welcome to our podcast, The Long Drive Home. Greg is now tutting in the background because he's, I don't know. Anyway, how are you? I'm very well, yeah. I'm okay. Uh, well, I say very well. I'm, I'm fine. Fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm absolutely okay. I am absolutely mediocre, yeah, yeah. How are all Good. you? Well, yeah, we're all... We're all tickety fuckety boo. We should, probably, Tom. You didn't say what band Jamila's from. Jamila's from the band Ithaca. Uh, I'm guessing that'll be in the description of the podcast. Trying to make this really slick and you know professional, aren't we? Oh yeah, lads. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, obviously. Well, you know, we could have got to that. Just stop grilling me before we even started. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm on your ass, bitch. I'm on your yeah, ass. Yeah, sounds like you are. Yeah. Um, I very much am, mate. Yeah, I mean it's. Um, we're sort of doing more of these podcasts just to keep ourselves a bit more, uh, you know, engaged with, with the rest of the world while we're sat around doing absolutely fuck all. So, you know, it's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Ben, I believe Ben's explained to you the premise of this podcast. Um, in perhaps the vaguest way possible. Great. Yes. Oh, nice one. Cheers, cheers. Bail me out on that one. Yeah, good. <laughs> Push you. No, on. But, then, but, then I don't know, but then I don't know if there if there is anything more to. No. If more complex than what I was told or not. So, no. Well, it, essentially, we we get together and talk about the worst gigs we've ever had because, as Tom has mentioned many times on this podcast, nobody really wants to hear about your good gigs. Uh, yeah. When you're talking to all the musicians, you, you're like, "Oh, it was a great gig." And you're like, yeah, can you tell me about a bad gig? Because that's funnier. So we just talk about our worst gigs. Um, later on, I think, because we put a tweet out uh, earlier in the week about, um, wor- so specifically about worst places you've stayed on tour. So we'll talk. To- we'll come to that a bit later. Oh, yeah. But I thought it would be quite fun to we'll start off and sort of say, what, what are your, it doesn't have to be Ithaca, any other bands you might have been in previously. Mm-hmm. But like, What's the worst like clusterfuck shows that you've ever been involved with? Be it you know other bands, promoters, the venue. You know you might have ran over a, an animal on the way to a gig, and that put you. Oh, that's sad. Time. I've done that before. That's as well. Horrible. Yes. On the way to a gig. Yeah, I think I killed a squirrel once. It was uh, oh, grim. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> It wasn't nice. Maybe less of the animal killing stuff. I'm right, about, okay. You know, That's right. I guess. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> um, well, the thing is, how deep do you want me to go? Like, how, how because there, there are a few that definitely stand out in my mind. Um, but this is the subject. I think if you ask anyone that's been in a band for a while, let alone a decade, they'll, they could talk to you f- for years about this shit. Definitely. So it, de- it depends on how how much time do you guys have? We, I mean, mate, we're we're in the middle of a of a of a viral lockdown, so we've got as much time as you'd 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 ever think that we could have, really. Oh, Greg, you're in the way yeah. of Billy Joel there. Um, Sorry, yeah, my 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 Billy Joel background isn't isn't quite caught in the cage. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and we'll probably say we tend to. It's entirely up to you how much information about like you know okay. if you want to name name and shame that's entirely <laughs> up to you because we tend to uh we don't tend to say specific names but venues and you know cities and towns is fine however if you really want to name and shame someone please use this as a platform to do it would be <laughs> <laughs> do you know what despite despite being a person that has uh 
as much as I don't like to admit it, a bit of a reputation for um, just, <laughs> just uh, saying things online about people and not really having much of a filter. Um, Are you I, a gobshite? A little bit, yeah, right, a little bit. Cool. A little bit of a gobshite. Um, I... I don't know if any of the things that I, w- I, I want to talk about are necessarily bad enough to warrant calling anyone out, per okay. se. Well, that's fine. Um, I mean, that's not necessarily that's the platform. Maybe one of them. Yeah? Maybe one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so, well, fire... Yeah, when, when you're ready, fire away. What's, uh, you know... And we'll basically, we'll react and go, oh, yeah, that sounds terrible, but with more words. It's yeah, like, okay. a, like a conversation, really. You know, that's how it works, isn't it? Is that um, what a conversation is? Is that, what, is that what that is? I don't know. I think so. I don't know anything anymore. Well, I think if you, if you ever ask any of us as a band about what sort of our worst ever show is, there's always like a couple that are always at the top of the list anyway. Um, and a couple that, you know, you always have a couple of shows that end up being so sort of mythical <laughs> in just how, in how categorically bad they were. Absolutely. That they're just at the top of your list forever of shows that just are so fucking abysmal <laughs> that you, it, obviously at the time it's not necessarily funny, um, but afterwards it is just like the, the best thing in the world. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> I think at the top of that list, so we played a show once in Middlesbrough. Great. Um, oh, wow. City of dreams. <laughs> I don't want to say anything bad against Middlesbrough because I don't want anyone to come after me. We, um, um, we, we, we drove through Middlesbrough, didn't we, once on the way to a Hartlepool? And that was enough. Oh, yeah. We thought we were, yeah. It's like, like Runcorn. Did you Sorry. play in Hartlepool? Yeah, we yeah, did. Yeah, it was amazing. Honest. No, it, it, no, it wasn't. It was fucking <laughs> shocking. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, I mean, sure. Like, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I've never played I've never played there, so actually I can't be the judge of that. It wasn't great. I would steer clear. Yeah. But I want to know about this Middlesbrough show. Okay, so we played the show Middlesbrough, and actually what I will say is, is the promoter is a good friend, and... He's a lovely human being and I, uh, he's moved around the UK quite a lot. So I don't particularly know why the fuck he was in Middlesbrough at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just said to us, do you want to come and play? And we, we were like, yeah, okay, cool. And this was kind of like in the earlier days of the band. So we did like a bit of a little weekender. Um, cool. And we drove up to Middlesbrough and when we got there, it was like a, like a big pub sort of thing, right. which is fine. Um, and we were loading in. And the first thing that I noticed actually was, was that there were loads of people there, which is a good sign if you're playing a show, but that was cool. Um, and then the thing that struck me as we were loading in is that there were no women there. Right. Like, which at the time wasn't unusual no. for a hardcore show in like the sort of, I don't know, mid 2000s. I guess that's mm. kind of fine. Um, but the the show itself like the bill of the show itself was like straight beat down right which, <laughs> right <laughs> which is like not what we do no but saying that we kind of 
we've we've always had the the benefit of of being able to sort of cross genres for the entirety of us being in a band so we've played a lot of varied lineups so this wasn't something that particularly scared us and the fact that we got booked like on a beat down bill kind of we were fine with it because it normally like we've played beat down shows before and it normally mm. goes it normally went down really well um mm. but this place that we were in was sort of a particularly sort of scary place <laughs> and i don't say that in a classist way at all because i'm from north london <laughs> but there was something very particular about this place that was like i found very unnerving um but anyway oh. we loaded into the venue and the venue itself actually was a uh like a pub function room right it was like nice. real like 90s eastenders like wedding vibes Oh, Phoenix God. Nights, almost. Yes, it was very, it was, it was very Phoenix Nights. Uh, basically, the show started. All of the bands that played were horrible. Yeah, they were all fucking horrible. <laughs> it was all garbage. Um, the actual set, like, and all of the people there were all like basically wearing like North Face jackets and balaclavas. Oh, what the fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all right, this is what we're doing. Fine. Um, the PDL party. Uh, hold on to that thought, actually. Hold on to that thought. Because right. we'll get to that a little later. Um, so <laughs> we, we did the show, and the, the actual PA itself was the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It was like two, like, just hi fi speakers. Oh, on stand, on stand. <laughs> it was like it was the worst um, um, which obviously meant also that it wasn't very loud and as we played um, in the room behind us in the main bar they were doing karaoke oh fuck <laughs> so not only could you hear that but also like the, the way that um, the, the, the setup was was that the drum kit was set up um, in front of a set of double doors that led to the main bar and everything else was in front of that. But what? But also the only toilets in the entire place were in the room <laughs> that we were in. So every oh. five minutes, some old cunt would open the doors <laughs> to for a kit and you could hear someone blasting, dancing in the moonlight on oh, karaoke. Oh, God. <laughs> You do realise you do realise that we've now got to put a parental guidance sticker on this now. Oh, shit. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh shut up, Greg. I use, I that, I use, I use that word he's, at the weekend. He's taking it's fine. a piss. <laughs> <laughs> That's Please. word. I don't, no, no, I don't think anyone's ever dropped the C bomb on here, has it? That's Have absolutely they? bollocks. Yeah, <laughs> t- Greg's definitely no. Tom, Tom. I said, I said, I said, at the weekend, oh, and Mike said it yeah. like loads. Anyway, that is definitely a sidetrack note. I want to know more about what other karaoke hits did you did you catch? <laughs> that was the main one, purely because that do 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 was so <laughs> so specific and so prevalent that it it takes a lot for me to be put off when we're playing a show. Mm. Like a lot can happen during a show, and I don't normally get sort of like distracted or put off or whatever. Um, but this was something that like I got so fucking wound up that <laughs> I ended up basically um, just antagonising the entire audience. Oh fuck! <laughs> so I was like, this is fucking garbage, and it was like. 
there was there were actually like I said before it was a full show and there were so many people in there mm. but it was like this obviously the big like horseshoe of doom yeah and I was like yeah. why like why are you here if you're not gonna watch us and I said something really like flippant like was just I can't remember what it was I just told them that I wasn't going to touch their fucking five panels and right. like said something really like <laughs> stupid and everyone got really offended <laughs> and uh by the time the end of the show came when we finished I was like right pack the merch up fuck right, this. let's like, go we're not saying anything get the fuck out of here and we like loaded out and when we looked like when we were taking our shit out there was no joke a gang of like 20 or 30 guys outside who looked like they wanted to fucking stab us. But I was like, go, 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 run. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What did you, wow. it sounds a little bit like, uh, have you seen that film, uh, Green Room? No. It's really yeah, I've seen that. fucking yeah. bleak. Well, we watched, we watched it together, didn't we? When we, when yeah. we recorded our last record and it's like this punk band are on tour and they turn up, they're like, just it's like a set in America or whatever, and they're just looking for a show, and they end up turning up at like a Nazi squat, and right. and capers kind of ensue from there. Uh, it just sounds a little bit, a little bit like that, really. Just a little bit. Well, well I mean, I take it no one got their hand cut off, though. I mean, that that would be pretty bad. Probably wouldn't be a well, funny what, thing to talk about. <laughs> what I should add is that not very long after this show. Um, it turns out that one of the guys who was in one of the bands that played with us that day, and I don't, I don't remember the name of the band, but Sam, my guitarist, like he always sort of, it sticks in his head, but I don't remember the name of the band, um, got kicked out of that band for being in the EDL. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> which, is why we, which is why I said, yeah, when you mentioned the EDL earlier. Um, so he was posting some really horrendous, like, Islamophobic and racist shit on Facebook and their band who were like I don't know just like some fucking Midlands like fucking inconsequential fucking beatdown band I remember posting this big status on Facebook being like this person's no longer a part of the band and blah 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 because they're in the fucking EDL (laughs) and we were like we played a racist show by accident oh wow (laughs) that's that's fucking that is bananas. It it remind it's slightly slightly similar to uh, an incident with an old band of mine where a promoter from a show over in Hollyhead, uh, which yeah the gig was as good as it sounds. Also in a, um, a social club, also had a tribute at the night before, which I think it was a Phil Collins tribute. But the promoter was like, "Oh, can I keep some of your t-shirts from my shop to sell in my shop?" We were like, yeah, yeah, sure. He said, I'll send you the money when I, when I, when I, um, when I sell them. And then, you know, years ago, you could search for people on Facebook based on their interests of your, like, friends. So you could see, basically, who followed the BMP. And he was one of them. Oh, great. Cool. So, yeah, he still got, a, I don't know, cupboard full of our T-shirts. Um, never saw it. You know that on our first tour, first ever tour that we did, we actually ended up playing for a, a, an openly racist uh, pub landlord. Well, it was in his pub. Uh, some friends of ours had put the show on, but he he introduced himself by saying something that I can't repeat on here because it was, like, so grisly. Um, where, where was this? It was in Chatham in Kent, which 
I think makes a lot of sense. I think there's a huge <laughs> there's a huge skinhead population down there. Is um, there really? Well, there seems to be. Yeah. Um, it, the, it was, I mean, I don't know. It's It was kind of, you know, when you tour, like, you never really know sometimes, especially this was, like, ages ago when we had no, no like, crowd or, like, presence of our own at all. So you, you totally roll the dice. And I yeah. think that the the person that had put, put the show on, her sort of initial place that she wanted to put it on had, like, fallen through or whatever, somewhere like that. We just ended up in this function room in this pub and then when we sort of got there, it was like, right, okay, so this guy's just a full-on skinhead, like, racist. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was grisly. It was like, that's. it was kind of, especially given it that it was our first tour, I was just kind of like, is this is this a thing that happens a lot? Or, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, I do actually, I have a specific question about some of the clientele at this Middlesbrough show. <laughs> did, yeah. did anybody have a monster energy drink baseball hat on? No, because um, in order, I feel like the kind of people you're imagining are in in, like to have like a monster baseball cap. Yeah. Like a bit more sort of juggalo. Right. Kind of like leaning. And I I I love those people. So that's actually fine. Okay. Like this was more um, like UK HC. Right. Okay. a lot of sort of I don't know. Is yeah. that like bands like like Terror and those kind of bands? Like New York you... Hardcore, yeah, maybe, yeah. Like either like New York Hardcore or sort of like LBU, kind of the right. like LBU okay. in London. I feel like I'm lear- I'm learning some stuff here because I, I I I perhaps in my naivety didn't realise that things got as kind of as a uh, sort of niche as that really like. But then I guess it's like it kind of harks back to that thing when you're at school where you could almost kind of identify who listened to what by what they dress in at, at non-uniform day. But it's kind oh, yeah. of doesn't really yeah. happen anymore, or at least I didn't think it did anyway. I felt like I feel like it's got a bit more homogenous in that way. But uh, that's that's kind of really interesting that there's like this really specific thing. Cause oh, that, that... It, the thing is, it does like yeah. very much so. And I've I've had this conversation quite a lot and I feel like it's quite interesting that like hardcore and metal and all of those sort of like alternative brands of music are sort of genres of music that all individually still very much do have a uniform. Yeah. Yeah. And it does Mm. change like depending on which sort of genre you're in and which group you're in and like it changes over time as well, but they all do very much have a uniform and you can, that is a way that, sort of a thing that people use to identify each other I guess like in any subculture yeah makes sense Um, totally but the further into these different genres genres you go the more niche it does get yeah (laughs) yeah that totally makes sense it's it's like more the the boundaries become more tightly defined um yeah but like you're like you're getting into this sort of UK hardcore where it's like you said that particular style would be different to another you know other types of hardcore which reminds me of a gig i did with uh falls years and years and years ago it was one of our first ones and we were put on a hardcore bill we were like a almost like a pulled by pulled apart by horses style riff kind of riff rocky band whatever that's not a genre whatever and uh but we they hadn't they'd never seen us the people who put us on and they didn't realize at the time that we were topless with pink shorts 
and yeah. did a lot of sort of you know lots of high-pitched vocals in the chorus and that went down like a fucking lead balloon yeah uh, <laughs> in the middle yeah. in the middle of bands who's oh, i remember i clocked once uh, one guy the singer for one band was um was doing press-ups as his warm-up oh good stage in the corridor to the toilet great <laughs> really um, that wouldn't it, fly in 2020 would it, it? certainly would not <laughs> no mate wash no. your hands yeah exactly exactly, exactly. do you want to join us about a um, about another one then maybe i mean yeah. middlesbrough's great but Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Moving away from Middlesbrough for a second. What I do find interesting is like, I don't know, we're in order to ask people about what their worst ever gig was or like what the worst shows have played are, there needs to be a level of sort of self-awareness that not like some people have more than others. True. And when you're, you were talking about your show where you were wearing pink shorts and stuff. um, That is, that is, sort of the reason that we do what we do mm. so yeah you know we've spent years playing metal shows and hardcore shows and beatdown shows of course wearing swimming trunks and covering <laughs> glitter because <laughs> that we we want to make people feel uncomfortable that's great like but like the, the but the thing is it's not just about making people feel uncomfortable it's about making people like the people that we want to feel comfortable comfortable yeah yeah, <laughs> and the yeah people, of course and the people the people that do feel uncomfortable with it are you know they're not the ones that, who want engaging we find that it. fun yeah but it's interesting because it's almost like a mechanism that weeds people out like from the from the word go like if you look yeah. at it and you kind of go ah that 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 doesn't conform to my understanding of what i think this genre is about then yeah. you don't really want those people engaging with what you're doing. But it, 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 in a lot of ways at the same time, though, it can probably set you up for having some quite interesting uh, just sort of scenarios unfolding as you go about your business, sort of doing doing what you do and, and stuff like that. Very uh, much so. I, mean, <laughs> I, I um, have to confess, the very first time I saw you guys was at Strange Forms. And uh, okay. yeah. And your man, your man flipping the bird like every every <laughs> like every like twenty seconds or so. I was like, oh, I'm not. I'm, I feel very uncomfortable with this young man <laughs> swearing at me constantly. But that I'm is something to enjoy you would feel uncomfortable with. Yes, it is. Yeah, but you know. But that's the thing. That's the the fun thing. It's kind of the the amalgamation of having a band who have who who don't look like you expect them to look. Yeah. who don't sound like you expect them to sound, who don't perform how you expect them to perform. Like, you wouldn't expect people that look the way that we do to play the kind of music that we do yeah, to yeah, be yeah. flipping off at a show <laughs> like Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, absolutely. And it's almost like a show like Strange Forms would be the perfect show for Sam to do that. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's that's way more antagonistic than flipping people off at a hardcore show. Yeah, really true. Because I guess at the hardcore show, it's kind of like you'd see that behaviour at a hardcore show, and you'd be like, "Well, that's kind of it's kind of appropriate to the to the to the environment." But then exactly. the thing about strange forms that's quite interesting as a as a general vibe is that it it can be quite eclectic in that way, and you can get mm-hmm. people there that that are more 
attuned to you know like the math rocky thing that we do or whatever but then but then there is like that that metal representation is there at at strange forms which does make people a little bit more perhaps kind of open-minded to kind of what's going on in front of them and stuff like that so uh i don't know what my wider point is but it's interesting that that you guys (laughs) did work on that lineup and it did work and but then there was me just going, oh, he's being, why is he swearing at me? Oh. Well, then, then it works. Yeah, you know? of course. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's the thing, like, at Strange Forms as well, like, we, we'd never played Strange Forms before. And the lineup, obviously, yeah, it's like a bit more sort of, a lot, a bit more post and a bit more mathy than yeah. what we, we're used to. But actually, we went down way better than I thought we were going to. And we got there slightly too late to set up any merch or anything like that. Mm. So the really like sweet thing was that everyone came out and found us afterwards and we just flogged merch out the back of the van. Oh, that's for, like, wicked. Like that's we were cool. there for like two hours and like just chatting to people and it was really nice. Yeah. Um, it's a good, it's a good yeah. vibe. It's like art tangent as well. It's the same crowd essentially just on a smaller yeah. level. So everyone's just pretty, pretty chill. I do have, yeah. I have something which I'm absolutely itching to ask you about is the big thief tour because that just that oh yeah blows my mind that you guys were on that tour because it just it's it's amazing it's such a cool like collaboration of of things i'm yeah. dying to know how that obviously i guess did that get cut short by all this bullshit as well yeah oh did, yeah. fuck that we lost sucks. Uh, five shows oh, oh. good yeah it was a bummer um but we did get to do like 12, 11 or 12 shows, That's I think. not bad. Yeah, that was all right. Um, so, yeah, that tour, it, I guess it all kind of started, like, maybe a year ago, maybe just over a year ago. Um, they messaged us on Instagram hmm. and said, hey, uh, we really love your band. We're, we're playing at the Roundhouse in London tonight. Do you want to come and hang out? Fucking cool. Wow. And that I was cool. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, what (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) um and actually really annoyingly i couldn't go to the show um but i just said like that's you know that's fucking cool like that's amazing i love you guys um when you know if you come back to london then let's let's definitely hang out and stuff um and then you know whatever nothing and then i think maybe like six months went by and then they messaged again, and um, I think it was Adrienne, and she was just like, "Yeah, hi, um, we're playing in London tonight. Do you want to come?" And I, <laughs> again, <laughs> it was like an hour before the show. Right, brilliant. And I was like, "Bro, right. I can't," <laughs> <laughs> which was really shit. But I was like, "Fuck!" And then we kind of got into a conversation. She said, "You know, do, do you want to maybe play some shows with us?" And at the time, I thought, firstly, I thought it was the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. The second thing I thought is, I kind of just thought that they were being nice. You know, when you bump into a mate that you've not seen in ages and you're like, yeah, let's go for a beer. Like, we'll go for a beer. And obviously, it fucking never happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was one of of them ones. Like, you know, when you're at a festival and you meet people and you're like, yeah, we'll do a tour together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we then, we we've agreed to about seventeen different tours at various festivals that have never happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
just like something you say to be nice to people. Um, <laughs> Let's talk. Yeah. Hey, what's your name? Let's talk. Let's do it. Because you're, you're fucked. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Add me on Facebook. Add me on Facebook. Yeah, um, do it. So this actually kind of came good. They actually decided to follow through on that offer, which is mad. Yes. So in, I think, maybe October of 2019, their <clears throat> manager emailed over an offer for the entire tour. I thought it would maybe be one show that they yeah, wanted yeah. to play with us. And it was the whole tour. It was a month. Um, and I just about, like, flooded my basement. Like, I pissed myself. Like, I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and everyone was just like, are you sure this email's for you? Yeah. Like, we, what? Like, we don't, I don't, un, like, I don't understand what's going on. Um, and so we, yeah, we had that conversation and we obviously agreed to do it. Yeah, sure. Um, and it was just one of the craziest, just most fantastical amazing wonderful beautiful things we've ever done oh, and i don't amazing. know if we'll ever do anything like that again that's incredible i mean this yeah. goes flies totally in the face of the point of our podcast but that is actually really <laughs> yeah. nice sorry <laughs> you're supposed to say it's shit it's supposed to be shit everything's supposed to be shit yeah <laughs> but you played some you played some amazing venues like do you play the albert hall in manchester we did yeah that's a fucking great venue. That venue where it's obviously like it's an old Wesleyan church, isn't it? Yeah. So it's most in the round and all the stained glass windows and mm. the, the stage is up with the organ and it's really high up and it's like yeah. so beautiful, mm. like unreal. And uh, that's the thing about this tour. There was no way we'd ever say no to it anyway, but the venues that we were playing are venues that we maybe will never play again. Yeah. So... We, we kind of had to do that and well, what I will say is obviously the the combination of our music together is something that I think really worked and the reason that they did invite us is because I mean they'll tell you themselves they really just firstly they love our band which is again even insane to even say but secondly they really wanted to sort of challenge people yeah and give people you know uh, an emotional and interesting experience in a different way but there are some fucking amazing pictures of some of the shows where like <laughs> i'll send you guys the picture that i'm thinking of because there's a picture there's a couple of pictures where like that are shot from behind the stage right. when they're playing where every single person in the audience has their fingers in their ears and they all look really unhappy <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's absolutely fantastic so, I guess, uh, should we go, go in for another worst gig of your life? Uh, yeah. Or whatever. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, one of the other ones that is on my list of kind of worst shows, um, we, so we did a tour a couple of years ago with a band called Old Skin. Okay. Um, don't know them. So I don't know if you've ever heard of, but... No, no. So Old Skin is um, a bunch of my best mates. Right. Um, Joe, who plays in Pine. Oh, okay, yep. Um, his band. Um, oh, cool. 
and uh, a bunch of other lovely friends. So we did a tour with them and inadvertently uh, this show ended up being their last show because they broke up shortly afterwards. But all I can say about this show was that it was in Spalding. Where's Spalding? Great question. <laughs> I don't fucking know still. <laughs> don't Spalding make tennis rackets or something? Do they? They do, mate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the sort of information that I hold on to, not bands or anything that's actually good or cool. Just, aren't they a brand of tennis racket? <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, so the thing is, when you're <laughs> when you're doing a tour like this and when you're booking all your own shows and stuff, people contact you and say, oh, I'd love to put you on or, oh, you want to play a show and blah, 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 blah. And you just say yes. Yeah. Like you say yes. Yeah. Because that's your prerogative as band to play in as many places as possible. And it's the prerogative of the promoter to kind of make sure people turn up. Yes. I mean, also it's the prerogative as a band to make sure people turn up because, you, you know, you need to have people who actually want to fucking come see you. Yeah. But also, you know, but the promoter himself was like a really sweet guy. But anyway, we, we rocked up to this place that was, again, a pub. And it really, like, reminded me, one of you mentioned earlier, about racist pub landlords. Yeah. <laughs> it was very that. Right, brilliant. <laughs> it was the same energy. And Fucking lovely. Bearing in mind, I'm an Arab. Sam is Indian. Yeah. But I'm a lot more sort of white-passing. So I have that privilege where mm-hmm. Sam is very Indian looking. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't. And this guy who was like the owner of the pub, who I think, if I remember correctly, was maybe also doing sound. Oh, right. Was one of the worst people I've ever met. And he was openly racist. Oh, what the like, fuck? Like openly being racist. Yeah. And also... No one turned up. Oh, no. We played a show to a racist pub landlord, his dog, (laughs) and I I think the promoter, who may or may not have been either his son slash nephew. Oh, God. And to Old Skin, and then they played to us (sighs) whilst we, in a completely empty pub, whilst we felt fucking mad uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, oh, you would do. God, and oh, God. L- the thing is, luckily, that was the last show of, like, the tour. But... And on a high. The reason that it's one of the worst is, firstly, for all of those reasons, and secondly, because it ended up being Old Skin's last show. Ah. And they yeah. fucking deserve to go off with way more of a bang than that. Yeah, like, of course. They were ah. such a fucking good band. <laughs> oh, um, I mean, I've just I've just googled where Spalding is there as we've been chatting, and uh, it's sort of uh, it looks like a sort of quaint little market town in the middle of Lincolnshire is what where it seems yes. to be. 
Um, it's definitely not high on my list of places to visit in a touring capacity. <laughs> this is the thing, like the town itself, obviously you drive through and it's beautiful. Yeah. Like it was beautiful. It was so picturesque and, you know, lovely. And it is like, again, one of those things where like you say yes to as many opportunities as you can, despite not knowing anything about the local yeah. scene or if they have a scene, because mm. someone is offering to put you on a show. Yeah. So you just do it. There's, there's definitely like an educational process that happens, especially kind of early on in your sort of career as a, as a band. In those early days, you, you will just say yes to anything. I mean, like we had this little sort of running joke, uh, which is, you know, it's often you hear the expression, a gig is a gig, is a gig isn't it? You know, you just take the gig mm-hmm. or whatever. But slowly you realise that a gig, a gig is gig. not a gig. Yes. You know, and, and you start to weed that out. But it, initially it's almost like this sort of rite of passage that you have to bounce through this selection of incredibly bewildering experiences in order to get to a point where you have any kind of critical level of judgment as to what's going to be good and what's not. Oh, absolutely. And that's why I feel so strongly about the fact that, like, you have to pay your dues. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way at all. I mean that it's so imperative that you do that not so other people can give you respect mm. so that you can respect other people because yeah, without true. those uh experiences like you say you have no fucking idea what a good show is like you have no, no appreciation do you know what i mean for what a good show is until until you do those sorts yeah, of things of course yeah that's that story really fucking highlights how I don't use the word privileged that we tend to be the the three of us as white hairy men who with the only thing, you know, the worst thing that people have shouted at us is, I don't know, maybe someone's called Tom a Tory and that's kind of as yeah, bad, about as bad as me. Yeah. Tory Fanta. That's it. But it's sort of, it highlights the fact that Dick. Um, that we, yeah, that sort of struck a, struck a couple of me because I, I said something, but you said something before, and I said, oh, oh, I can imagine that being really bad. And then I just immediately went, no, you fucking can't imagine how bad that was going to be because <laughs> you've never had to experience anything like that in your life. Um, that's, I just wanted to say that was a really, really interesting thing. That's, yeah, that's, I, I, yeah. I, I felt like there's a good point you made about like sort of understanding or knowing what a good show is because that that's a sliding scale in its own right anyway because when you first start you can play a show that you might play like five years later that is like that was fine but you can play a show like really early on that at that point in your career is an amazing show but like five years later it might just be completely running for mill to you by that point which is a really horrible it's a horrible thing to say but it does your you know by just sort of by human nature the way that you process that stuff sort of changes the the longer you go along and the more experienced you get definitely but i think it depends on how you measure what a good show is true you know and what your again what your experiences are like if you've played those toilet shows, then for you, like for or for us, maybe a good show is just a show where like nobody was racist. 
<laughs> or you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. what? Where is the bar? Is the bar that fucking low? Like, <laughs> if you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it, it depends on what your experiences are, and if you're that yeah. privileged where you've never been had people shout racist things at you or you've never had people boo you for being a woman or you've never had someone call you a fat cunt on stage like maybe maybe a good show is just a show where people turned up but that's not everyone's experience yeah yeah yeah. that's a really good point because it it does uh, i I mean this is sort of part of why you wanted to do this podcast as well because it's interesting to uh, kind of sometimes when you start actually breaking down what defines a bad show to you you realize that when you try and explain it to someone Actually, there there isn't actually a lot there that sounds that bad necessarily. You'll be like, oh, the vibe wasn't really good or something, and you just yeah. be like, I hated it. I absolutely hated that show. And when you really think about it, you go, well, it's just because no one turned up and then the promoter was a bit annoying. But it's yeah. funny when you well, get... I play, I play the G sharp and I was supposed to play a G. Oh, I mean, I've done that loads. <laughs> That's every I gig. <laughs> I honestly think that some of the, the worst shows... I guarantee that some of the people that you've spoken to have said, this was hands down the worst show we've ever played. There were people there that thought, I fucking love this band, or people that bought a t-shirt, or people were like, I've discovered this band. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 totally. For what what a bad show is for us, is, you know, a bad show for us. Yeah. Mm. We're not, that's not the audience's experience necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess that's kind of one of the, the the like pitfalls of doing a podcast of this nature as well is is kind of you're sort of lifting the curtain a little bit on on that audience experience because you know there were definitely going to be people at the shows that we've talked about that have been like oh well, you know like I had no idea that you were having a shitter but mm-hmm. it it it's kind of at the same time I think it's interesting and it's fun and quite therapeutic to talk about this stuff as well, because often it's not really talked about and it's considered possibly considered a bit to not taboo, but like you wouldn't go on about it on like a, on Twitter or on your social media about how shit a gig was that you did the night before. But at the same time, it's quite an important part of your development as a band and as an artist to go through some experiences that are actually quite um, challenging for you. Because there's definitely been shows that you play and you kind of come off it and you go, well, what, what, what's in this for me anymore? Sometimes, <laughs> and and that sucks when you feel like that. But then it's like always, always completely overshadowed when you play a show that really just rings a bell for you and you you have a really great time. Yeah, I think that's the the important thing and that's the crux of it. You know, yeah, I think that's the crux of being in a band in general. Yeah. Mm. Most of it, if not all of it, is shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is pretty terrible. There is so much about it that is fucking shit and people don't realise that, you know, and the amount of work that that goes into it and Mm. the amount of sort of sacrifice and and stuff like that that people don't realise goes into it. It fucking sucks. Mm. But when you do play a show... Any show, even if it's not the best show, it, it's worth it. Yeah. If you like, I always think of it if you have, if you, because a lot of people in our kind of level of bands obviously have jobs as well. Because, you know, for example, for us, math rock doesn't pay. So if, we, if you try and explain to someone that you are driving on a Tuesday night to Hartlepool 
to potentially play for upwards of 15 people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you are gonna probably not going to meet your costs and you probably have to buy your own food. I mean, you know, this, albeit this is, you know, a bit earlier on in our career, and you're going to end up sleeping on someone's floor. If you explain to someone at work that you were going to do that, they'd, and then you'd have to drive, might even have to drive back to work the following morning. I've done plenty of London shows where I've done that. If you try and explain that to someone you work with who isn't in a band, they'd go, that sounds fucking awful. What are you doing? <laughs> and I've had that conversation. But then, like you said, it doesn't, uh, and then, then the feeling of a good show vastly outweighs yeah. terrible that, that sort of terrible feeling although yeah, probably yeah worth yeah. it though if we were to sort of talk about all these experiences with um normies or whatever you want to call them people who aren't in do this people don't do this they legitimately would say to you why the fuck are you doing that yeah but yeah. what i find even funnier than trying to explain to to people at work that thing of like you know, I'm going to drive for like seven hours to play to like 15 people and sleep on the floor of like a fucking German squat or like in a crack den or, you know, whatever. Um, what I found almost again, like lifting the curtain a bit, was having to explain to my boss at work that I needed to take a half day so I could go and play Hammersmith Apollo. Yeah. And yeah. would you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, but then like... Just that thing of playing music is so far removed from what people think it is. And Mm. having people at work ask me about this tour, for example, and the venues that we played and the places that we went to, if you were to explain that to people that you work with, like I did, they were all just like, why don't you quit your job? Why are you still working? Oh, you know, did you get a hotel? But all this kind of... It, no, it's not that. No, Do you know really, what I mean? It's no, like, it's really not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what my point is, but, but in the same way that they don't understand that there is joy in all of these horrible experiences that we have, like, <laughs> they also don't understand that, like, that the gap between that and, like, reaching the point where you are someone who, who can make money from making music is so un it's a chasm yeah it's massive it's yeah Yeah. um there's an interesting thing that you said which was just about asking your boss to kind of like take half a day to go and play the hammersmith apollo which is an incredible sentence in its own right Um, (laughs) the the fact that those people I don't know whether this is going to translate. You know, when you have a thought in your brain and you go, oh, that's a really insightful comment. It might not be. But anyway, I'm going to say it. Um, <laughs> it must be kind of weird for those people for you, for you to have something in your life which occupies as much mental headspace that you want to do probably, well, definitely more than your day job and is more important to you than your day job. Because yeah. a lot of people, the job what they do nine to five, Monday to Friday, that's, that's a really important focus of their life. And obviously they'll have family, they might go on holiday or whatever, but being in a band and being creative, being musical, it's, it's such a weird, almost self-flagellating vocation at times where it's a fucking financial black hole. You, it, it can, it can give you serious anxiety problems, makes you feel fucking depressed at times but it also makes you feel unbelievably amazing 
But then there's a, it's almost, do you find it's a bit more like a compulsion sometimes being creative or being musical? Like it's a thing you have to do. That sometimes you don't necessarily feel you've got that much control over it. I think that dynamic is something that scares the shit out of me on a daily basis. And it's not something that I generally like to admit, but I'm, you know, I'm quite lucky because my day job are very supportive Mm. of what I do. But at the same time, I almost feel like I have to work twice as hard to prove to them that the job is important to me. Yeah. Mm. Because they know what I do and they know how much it means to me. And I feel like I'm constantly having to try and prove myself to, to prove to them that I care about my job as much as the band. I don't, of course I don't. Fuck that. Like, (laughs) (laughs) do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. I love my job. I really enjoy it. Um, But like you say, like a lot of people, my job isn't my world. It's not Mm. my life. It's not the thing that I focus on. And there are times when the band takes my focus away from work. Yeah. And really dangerous. You know, it's like a really precarious position to be in <laughs> when you get to a point like where, we, where we're at, where actually, no, we can't fucking make any money from playing fucking Newt Newts and Ridley Ridley Neenies. Like, of course not. <laughs> like, fucking that's never going to happen. Yeah. But at the same time, it, the, what we do do requires so much focus mm. that it's almost more than I can expend a lot of the time. Yeah. So it is quite a precarious place to be in. It is quite scary a lot of the time. I feel mm. like it, it very much feels like a house of cards a lot of the time. That I, you know, I'm just, it's a bit of a balance, balancing act, I think. Yeah. And sometimes, like, I don't know whether this applies, but sometimes I feel I'm like, the fact that I'm in a band and that I expend so much energy into it and I put so much energy into it is a sort of privilege in its own right. And it kind of makes me feel almost guilty that there are people that even if they wanted to do that, probably couldn't because of whatever position that they're in sort of on in a, in a day-to-day sense. And sometimes I, I end up like convincing myself that being a musician and doing music is actually quite a trivial thing to do with myself. And I don't know why I do that because it's obviously hugely important to me, but at the same time, I do find myself like sort of falling into this sort of method of thinking where I'm like, what am I actually giving to the world for doing this? Am I, am I before this is, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm, you know, (laughs) I I get that. The thing is, I get that. And I think it's hugely important to every now and then take stock of what, what you have accomplished Mm. and what you've done so far. Like even, you know, we're never going to fucking play Wembley. You probably won't either. Sorry. None of you will. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you might don't actually don't, don't quote me on that. Cause if you do, I'm going to prove you wrong now. (laughs) You know, but what I'm, what I'm saying is, it's like, it's very important to every now and then sit down and, and just be like, wow, I fucking did that. Yeah. And it's also similarly very important to recognise your privilege in that situation. But do not let that, I feel like you cannot let that downplay your hard work at the same time. Very true. Because you mm. fucking worked hard for what you've done. Mm. And so have we. 
And I feel like you need to recognise that. Yeah, well, I guess that's all tied into that dynamic, isn't it? It's that thought process of you go, well, look how far you've actually come. And there's definitely a, a, a few occasions where I go, right, if I hop back to 2009 when we first started the band and I say to me then, right, this is where you'll be in like 10 years, which is mental, 10 years, what yeah. the fuck? Um, that person at that point would be absolutely elated to hear that. Because all I wanted to do in 2009 was like, I just want to do a short tour of the UK. I've never toured before, so I'd like to do that. And that was like the peak of the goal. And then we did that. And then after a while, you suddenly realise that the benchmark that you set for yourself almost is easier to attain. But in a sort of weird way, you kind of lose sight of the fact that just that really tiny thing that you did 10 years ago meant everything to you at that point. Yeah, but that's the trap that people fall into. Yeah. You know, and that, again, like going back to what we were saying before, the mark of a good show versus a bad show. For a lot of people, a good show is if they sell out and a bad show is if no one turns up. Yeah. But for me and for, like, my band... um, Are you... (laughs) I'm looking at dog dog dancing in the background. Very nice. Dog dancing. (laughs) What are you listening to? Um, huh? What are you doing? Listening to Peeping Tom. He's listening to Peeping Tom and dancing with the dog. Oh, um, how lovely! Anyway, uh, for us, anyway, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't mean to sound like evangelical at all, but like for us <laughs> as a band, it's always been really important to us to sort of look inwardly yeah. for that that sort of thing, and for us. Like, not to get too, like, introspective because then you kind of run the risk of beating yourself up too much when things Mm. don't go your way. Like, if you play badly or blah, 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 blah. But for us, a good show is always when we feel good as a band. Yeah. And we feel like we sounded good and feel like we feel like we clicked together and we all felt good. Do you know what I mean? Regardless of what the audience reaction is. Obviously, it's always fucking amazing when you sell a show out or people know the words or people mosh for you or, you know, whatever, all of that stuff just adds to it. But for me, that's always just a bonus. Like, yeah. but for us, a good show is like, how did we feel as a band? Mm. And I feel like that we've, again, going back to what we said earlier, we've learned that as a band from playing so many shit shows yeah. and from playing yeah. so many shows where we didn't fit fit in we weren't supposed to be on that bill or we were like not, we didn't sound like any of the other bands and we've had so many shows where people have either walked out or (laughs) heckled us or left or stood there and had like no reaction or no one's turned up. Like we don't seek that validation, Mm. I guess. But then no. that's interesting because that's almost like that's in a weird way that's like a collective defense mechanism isn't it because you're essentially going at that point you're going the external factors are not the thing that drives what we're doing this is mm-hmm. this is about our personal gratification as a unit and if we come away from this and say we perform well we enjoyed ourselves in this performance regardless yeah. of what's going on around you then that yeah. almost makes you impervious to Absolutely, and that's it. 
I think that's um, that's for, for for me in particular. That's something that's happened over time because, yeah. like, like years and years ago, you you get you get your good gigs, your first like really really good gigs, and you're like, right, this is what every gig's got to got to be like. And then so there'll be times when uh, you know maybe you play really really well. We've played really well in certain places, and uh, and or you know, but that but then you look out you look it out and you're like, well, that person wasn't nodding their head at the appropriate time or that person over there left the room because you know and you so that that puts you off but then i found as the the, the older we've got as a band we've grown i care more about what tom and greg think than i than than, yeah. than anything else that it's like if they've had a great show and i'm like okay yeah brilliant it was a great show and i tend to i've gone more like if they're they've got a good show then i'll go yeah it's great if they yeah. haven't had a good show even though i feel like it was great i'll be like oh, mm. no it was it mustn't have been a good show then because and you said i think that collectiveness tends to come over uh, it's come over time and maybe with uh, I hate to use the word maturity because I wouldn't call any any of us three mature. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> some some level of maturity, I would I would feel. But I I think that's also the mark of a good band, and I don't mean good as in like good. I mean functioning good. You know, yeah. like because you're there, you, you have to be there to lift each other up. Yeah, and I think a band who doesn't connect in that way you can see it mm. and that's true yeah Do you know what, a sort of like dis- i feel like when they don't have that connection you can tell mm. and that's why again like you said like like you said ben um if i if we come off stage and i feel like i played really badly or i sounded really bad as long as my bandmates say no you sounded amazing i'm fine but that's because i trust them to tell me the truth yeah you know mm. If they say to me, well, you know, you're a bit, you're a bit shonky tonight. Don't worry about it. It's Good fine. Work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but what I, again, like we were saying earlier, what I think is like a bad show is not a bad show for everyone. And if like Lewis, our drummer, fucks some things up and comes off and he's like really deflated and he's like, oh, you know, I fucked this fill or, you know, whatever. But we're all just like, no, you sounded amazing. Like... I'm not saying you have to blow smoke up each other's asses, but mm. you're you're there to lift each other up. Yeah, that's, like, yeah, that's really the important true. thing. Yeah, but it's, mm. it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if you get this, um, but I think we do, and I think there's been a few times like where one of us, like the show, be going really. Good. I'm thinking of there's a really specific example actually, which involves. Um, do you remember the show we did at? Um, is it Tiger Lounge in Manchester? The Riff Fest. The thing that Nick Duke from Trojan oh, Horse yeah, shot um, No, that is... Oh, Ruby, Lounge. Lounge. Ruby, Ruby Lounge. Lounge. Ruby Lounge. Ruby Lounge. So, oh, I know Ruby Lounge. Yeah, it's just quite a yeah. good venue. Like, we had generally had a good show, but Greg, you, you dropped um, an interesting... Cl- Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to bring you into the conversation, Greg. You've been very quiet. In, in like, the most negative way possible. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, you've made my night, mate. Nice one. <laughs> but it was you funny because it, it was a good show a fucking, until this fucking point. dickhead that guy is. <laughs> I've just been sat here minding my own business, actually listening for once. And not, Why? And not talking over people. 
And now that little fucking prick in the corner there <laughs> is just ruined my head. Listen, <laughs> lad. So yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, sorry, that's Tom. it. I you was just right. saying I that, like, it was, that. I did, I did fuck that it, gig up in was, a big it way. Was, it was brilliant, though. Like, don't we reflect on that and laugh about that now, rather than it being like a big pain in the ass or whatever? But it was funny because that was, and your fucking pedalboard broke as well, Ben. It was like the last oh, song. It just, I'm, you know, it wasn't my fault. I was great. I was perfect. No, but, you were. I, I, I. I seem to remember that show. I think you also fell over. So none of our arms fell over. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right there. But it's funny <laughs> how, how gig. I think the only point I was trying to make is that it's funny how there can be one incident which happens in a show which can actually tip Just tip the balance it. from that was a great show to that was a shitter. Do you ever mm. find that? And the worst thing the worst thing is is that it was it was the last the last tune of the set. And everything kind of leads up to that point, yeah. doesn't it? And then it's just like, you know, it's almost like scored its own goal in the Champions League yeah. final, isn't it? Right before, <laughs> right before the whistle. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Doing a John Arnorisa. And to be honest, and 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 like, yeah, wasn't the only time I fucked that tune up. Anyway, that's why we don't play it anymore. What <laughs> right. a spike briefcase, man. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to tell us about more terrible gigs then? So, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there are so many more. Oh my god. Um, so the next one uh, that stands out to me is so we played a pub. This was years ago. So this one was my fault. Um, kind of, but not. Anyway, I'll let you be the judge. Right. Uh, Sounds good. We played a show in Brighton at a pub called the Quadrant. Oh yeah, um, I know it. Yes. Yeah, you played the quad. Um, I've been there to a bad gig. Yeah. <laughs> really small venue. But anyway, so it was in the middle of summer. So we were like, you know what? We'll go, we'll just, a couple of us were like, we'll hop the train down to Brighton early, have a couple of beers and like hang out on the beach and, you know, whatever. This was, it. Like, the reason this I remember this is because this was in the height of like Pokemon Go summer let's go down early we'll get the train down early and we'll have a couple of beers on the beach maybe catch a magic art you know or a tentacle or you know whatever um have a lovely time so we did that um and this was like really early on in the afternoon so we went down had a couple of beers um and then we went to a pub who whose name i'm not going to name for legal reasons um, what is that? It's Pokemon Go. I still play it. No, Pokemon Go! <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, um, nerd. Oh, yeah. Nerd. So, I've moved on now. It's, it's Animal Crossing. Right. Um, obviously. Yes. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we went to this pub uh, that I had some friends. They work there. And I was like, oh, we've still got a couple of hours until we play, so we can have a couple of pints and still be sober before um the show but it was that thing where it was like 30 degrees out and you're just smashing points back what happened was is that i got so unbelievably drunk (laughs) that i don't remember any of the show oh god um if you know the quadrant in brighton at all you'll know there's like a staircase to get up to the venue yes i fell down those stairs in the middle of asset 
what the fuck? <laughs> I, I then, I then proceeded because the stage was so small. I stamped all over Sam's pedals, just stamped all over Sam's pedals in the middle of the set. And then to make matters worse, there was something wrong with like that connection and his microphone kept electrocuting him every time he did vocals. But, (laughs) and it was honestly, hands down, one of the most embarrassing things I have ever experienced. And the next day there were like people who are messaging us on Facebook and Twitter being like, you were fucked. Like you were actually <laughs> fucked. And I was really, I was really confused. Cause I was like, I only had a couple of beers. Like, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I, yeah. I hadn't had enough to drink to, for that to happen. But anyway, what I found out afterwards was that I was drinking, <laughs> again, I'm not going to name the pub, but I was drinking a beer um, called Soundwave. Right, right. By a brewery called Siren. Oh, and it's right, about yeah. 5%. Yeah. Um, just really nice, easy drinking, like IPA. Um, and that month was their like birthday month. And I think, I don't know if they still do it, but they used to do for their, this brewery for their birthday, they always used to do like a double version of that beer for their birthday. Oh, shit. They did like an imperial version called Tidal Wave that was about 14%, if I remember correctly. Um, and someone who worked in the pub had uh, mistakenly put it on draft. Oh, fucking hell. So I'd had about three or four pints in the course of an afternoon, which would not be enough to get anyone, no. you know, no. legless. But that's like drinking four pints of wine. Like, that's, that's a lot of booze. Wow. It was very strong. It was, yeah, about, I don't know, 12, 13, 14%. I'd had, like, four or five pints of it before we played, and <laughs> I fucking blacked out. Like, I have no recollection of it at all. Like, no re- yeah. And, like, at the time, like, afterwards, I was fucking mortified like it was one of the most embarrassing things that ever happened oh, and then like a couple of weeks later i spoke to my mate he worked in that pub that we were in and i told her about it and was like dude i was fucking spangled like what the fuck and she was like yeah so <clears throat> don't don't tell anyone about this <laughs> wow <laughs> Because basically they'd fucking lose their jobs, you know? Yeah, this yeah, keg of course. It's like, pretty bad this keg costs like 200 quid. Um, and also it's fucking really dangerous. So like, imagine if you're driving and you're like, I'll have one pint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you're fine. But yeah, yeah, I've had like three or four pints of it. And I, I don't remember any of that gig. I just know that Sam got electrocuted loads and that I stamped over all of his pedals because he told me. And then I woke up with like a fucking black eye because I fell down the stairs and everyone told me. And I had like oh. no reflection. I want to know how you ended up going down the stairs. Like that's that's fascinating. Is, is I the, tried the... I tried to climb onto the banister because <laughs> I thought oh. I was doing a fucking Greg Pusciato, yeah, of course, yeah. and in reality I was doing a fucking Mr Blobby. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that's Dutch courage for you, I suppose. Oh, Allegedly. Wow, fantastic! That's brilliant. See, that's I mean no. That's like I like I like the fact that that's that's a bad gig, um, 
that is kind of it's not really your fault but it is in a way so <laughs> i like that about it cuz normally normally it's like oh the promoter fucked up or like someone set fire to the i don't know yeah. stage or something but i really like that i don't know you just got too drunk that's great <laughs> It's not a case of me getting too drunk. No, I guess not. No, I'm oversimplifying I, it. I genuinely didn't drink enough, or so I thought, to be drunk. Mm. And I know, like, I know what my limits are. And when you're drinking throughout the course of an afternoon, like, you know, you're not going to be hammered before you play a show if your yeah, stage time is eight yeah. o'clock or whatever. Um, but yeah, no one believed me. I had to get get my mate to send a message being like I can certify this is what happened (laughs) and it wasn't her like she didn't just get fucking shit faced like this is actually what happened Um, so I feel like I don't know I feel like it wasn't my fault no I'm I'm (laughs) sorry I'm Apportioning blame where there is no blame to be apportioned. Well, there is, but yeah, not to you. But the most important question I have for you is, did you catch any sweet Pokemon? Who fucking knows? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I could have caught, caught a fucking Mew, like, and I would never have known. Uh, that whole afternoon is a fucking mystery. I think I have been to that venue. And uh, I think it was... It was one of my, it was a really strange thing that happened where a friend of mine, so I live, at the time I lived in in rural Lancashire and a friend of mine rang me up on like Friday afternoon going, do you want to come to Brighton like now? And I was like, right. uh, yeah, all right. I sort of later, I got in the van with them to go and we were sort of halfway there and I went to buy some cans from a shop and found out that I had seven pounds to my name and was travelling to Brighton for a, a punk weekender. And I was like, Brighton's not cheap. I'm going to have a bad time. And I, I had a bad time. Uh, <laughs> I had no money and I couldn't buy any beers. And it turned out that everyone that we were hanging out with was like a total fucking just party thrash head. And oh, I ended what? up like sitting upright in an office chair, completely sober at a, at a house party, just trying to get to sleep on an office chair. And oh, no. uh, it was it was it was dreadful. So that's my only experience of that pub. And um, if you're at, if you're at a party and people don't share that alcohol or drugs with you, then they're yeah, not good people. I don't know, everyone was very very tight fisted at that party. Like um, I just Fish. about managed to buy four cans of Scrumpy Jack. And that's that. That was my quota, which disappeared really quickly. And then when it got, do to you know that... what would have been more pleasant than that? Falling down the stairs at the quadrant. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. You could have just done that. Yeah, maybe I should have done, and I might have woken up in a nice hospital bed instead of the office <laughs> chair that I was sat in. Yeah, and it, it, easier easier access to more drugs. Uh, do you want to? Should, should we? Should we do maybe one more story? Okay. One more, one more dreadful show. That'd be good fun. Okay. Oh God, there's so many to pick from. I actually made notes because there's so many. That's good. Um, oh, we like we like people who make notes. Yeah. That's yeah. Now I have to pick studious. between the next like four. Um, okay. 
So the next one is actually a more recent one. Cool. And it's a show that we played last year in Bournemouth. Oh, my parents are there. Ah, well. They probably uh, weren't at the show. Hey, Tom's parent. Um, (laughs) So there were so many things about this show that made it fucking horrendous. Um, The poor sound guy was filling in. um, Oh, that's always a good start. Yeah, he didn't know whether it was fucking Christmas or Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, oh man, I feel bad for him. I actually felt bad for him because of the amount of abuse that he was getting, like, because he just didn't fucking understand. But anyway, he should never have been doing that. But anyway, Mm. I digress. Um, So we played this show, and it was like a free band bill. And uh, so we were touring with Leached last year. Okay, yeah, I know that band. Yeah, Um, and they're fucking amazing. Which is another band that Joe Clayton's in. um, Right, okay. Because he's in every band ever. He seems Um, to be, yeah. Good producer as well. Exactly. Well, he he produced and recorded our album oh, and our and our last EP. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so we did this. We did this show in Bournemouth, and it's worth saying that all of the other shows on the tour were fucking mint. Like they were amazing, and we basically took turns every night. It was like a joint headline tour, so we took turns every night headlining, and all of the turnouts were fucking sick. Like they're really good. So we had quite high hopes of Bournemouth. We turned up. The sound guy was like a fucking pine cone, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> pine cone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So we, That's great. We, we did our sound check. We did a sound check. I think, God, I think Leech might have headlined this one. There were four bands actually, two support bands, us and Leached for this night. <clears throat> um, so we did our sound check, and then Leached did their sound check, and one of the other bands playing didn't sound check. Um, and then no, the, yeah, the two support bands didn't didn't sound check at all. Um, anyway, they turned up. I'm not going to name them. I know what their name is, but I'm not going to name them. Right. Um, fuck it. The name is, uh, the name was uh, No Worth of Man. Right, don't know them. No idea. So, so pile on, it's fine. Yeah, so they opened the show. They fucking rocked up with more gear than I've ever seen a band with. Right. They had like two Axe Effects units. Oh, fuck off. And they had like all of these like boutique guitars. Right. And they like changed guitars between songs. <laughs> They, like they had like at least five or six k's worth of gear. Great. The drummer had like this rack mounted tom setup. Oh no! And he, had eight, he had like eight different cymbals. Now, now, now we're talking. <laughs> I cannot. As ev- as every drummer should do. So congratulations. <laughs> to him. I, can- I cannot explain the level of anger and revulsion <laughs> when he turned up. After we'd sound checked and packed our entire fucking kit away. Oh, fuck's sake. (laughs) Using using the touring band's kit is a fucking privilege, not a right. And when you (laughs) deny the privilege and the right, you're a cunt. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's just not playing like, ball, is it? You're just not playing the game. You're just being a dick. Wow. This fucking, this absolute fucking baguette thought he was fucking Joey Jordison. <laughs> playing to like eight people on a Friday night in Bournemouth. Did you have like, more toms than there were people in the audience? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the poor sound guy didn't fucking know what to do with it. Like, and he ended up miking up. Basically, what happened was, after they played, they were horrible. Basically, when they played, they were fucking horrible. Like, it was, it was just like, it was like, it sounded like being run over by horses whilst throwing up. Which actually, I wish that had happened to me. Um, <laughs> this is great. After they played, we then had to fucking set everything up again, oh, and then oh. the poor sound guy had to basically just like quickly set everything up again. And what happened was, is he just mic'd everything up fucking horribly, oh, and um, yeah, it was just so, so it was awful on a number of levels. Like, and then when it got to leeched actually playing. Just this sound was so terrible. I just remember one of them, I think it might have been Laurie, just being like, shh, screaming, turn the fucking, like, turn the fucking drums down. Like, it was. Oh, and there were like literally like 10 people turned up, and it ended up being the worst show of the tour. Like, the whole entire tour, we had at least, I would say, like, maybe each venue was like 60 to 100 cap. Right, and most not... of them were sold out. Yeah. And this one Bournemouth show that ended up having this band opening, who fucking ruined everything for everyone. <laughs> I think they were... Fu- it was like real fucking Spinal Tap hours. Like, <laughs> I I spent the whole time just like drinking our rider because I couldn't deal with what was going on. <laughs> I, I cannot... I cannot mentally and technologically comprehend how horrible this situation is. Like, I'm just kidding, you know. <laughs> but yeah. Wow. The, the entirety of my band were fucking livid for good reason. Yeah. Mm. And this band played like tw- for 20 minutes. Really? Fucking hell, tw- that's even worse. For 20 minutes with like fucking six, five K, like five grand's worth of gear with their fucking Axe Effects units. Oh. And the, the guitarist changed guitars like three times throughout the set. Yeah. And they, I can't, like, I'm <laughs> getting angry God's thinking about rubbish. it. You got I think the only thing that was missing would, would be like a Perspex screen in front of the drummer Drums, to be directed yeah. just for that particular part of the show. That would... That's the yeah. only thing missing. Just like a nice bit of pyro. Yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> Joey Jordison, Parkway Drive, Spinning Cage. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Have you got anything to add on that drums-wise, Greg? Would you what, Would you defend the drummer in any way? <laughs> Silence. <laughs> S- Silence speaks volumes. <laughs> yeah, I think that's indefendable, yeah. really. I don't know. I'm really into, like, you know, more more Toms than people. <laughs> <laughs> and more spl- especially more splash cymbals, because yeah. I used to play with about 40 splash cymbals. Oh, I love splash cymbals. I love splash cymbals. But the thing is, if you're playing, opening a sh- fucking four-band bill... Nobody cares, though. That's, t- that's the thing, like, what member of the audience cares whether you've got, like, a eight-inch Tom or a 
18 inch Tom. Nobody cares. The drummer. The drummers need he to was get, the only one that the drummer need the drummers need to get the head around that you don't need twenty pieces of drums. <laughs> twenty pieces, 20 pieces, pieces of, drums. of drums. Pieces of eight. I still have like PTSD from it whenever I see like uh whenever I see like a rack mounted Tom <laughs> set up and I'm just like, ah like I just dive. Well, we'll start to uh, wind down, shall we? I'll uh, I'll read some I'll read some of the tweets because I feel like I- I'm quite interested in reading these because there's lots of really good ones. Yeah, there are. Yeah, probably probably what some of the best responses we've had to any tweet we've put out. So the tweet was uh, right there. Next one. Where's the worst place you've ever stayed on tour? So this is from uh, at Button Pusher DIY, which is our good mate Marty from All Right the Captain. Puts very good shows on in Nottingham. Uh, but he's also he's in a band. He's in All Right, the Captain, and oh my God, why is that band? A Tota So, a Tota So. Thank you. Sorry. I don't know. Yes, oh. of course. I can't believe I'd forgotten that. I do apologise, Marty. Please feel free to kick me when you see me next. But his tweet is worst played we stayed was in the Czech Republic with a guy called Snake that had been kicked out of the Foreign Legion. Place was filled with weapons, and he didn't speak any English. Ten of us in a tiny flat with two massive dogs. Sounds great. Yeah, he's, he accompanied it with a photo as well, where there's a sort of big Doberman there, and also the guy, <laughs> the guy is holding a piece, like he's he's got a, a Glock or whatever. I don't know. I don't he's, know much about really? guns. Yeah, he is very much packing in that photo. Yeah, uh, oh, that's wow. on our on the Twitter thread for those who are listening. Have you ever seen somebody brandishing a weapon on tour before? No, unless that weapon was me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, we're just a band of weapons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one is from uh, at underscore Mark Gibson underscore. Um, Love those uh, this one is quite uh, quite short and sweet. It just says, a yurt and there was a storm and the roof blew off. That sounds like every arc tangent ever. Get a grip, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Get a grip. <laughs> Uh, the no next mercy. one I like is from at Joel Dirksen and uh, again another short short one it just says abandoned slaughterhouse in Spain oh no <laughs> it's metal as fuck oh, no. that though isn't it oh no wow, I'm yeah, so sorry yeah um, at Scruffy Goldfish it was J.R. McCormick who has contributed before oh J.R. Um, yeah, JR. JR. Uh, one bit in particular I really enjoy. It says, on the very stage you played that night in a little bar off highway N101 in Portugal, this is the bit I like, used our stage backdrop as a blanket. Oh, cute. That is quite cute. I don't cute, know like that Well, yeah, I suppose. You're not but, but a fucking if, sleeping bag. But what if you'd... I mean, maybe that was the whole point of the stage, of the, the, the backdrop. It was like multi-purpose backdrop. Um, yeah, like well, it was like fleece lined. That'd be lovely. It'd be quite nice. Yeah, <laughs> on the on the sticky sticky stage floor though. Um, there's a good one that I'd like to read out from my good good pals in the band by Curious. Where they've told me this story in person actually, but they, oh, yeah. they did a, they did a tour and they they stayed in a squat in France, and um, I think it was Taron, the guitar player, woke up with a rat eating his ear. <laughs> what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just having a little nibble on his lobes. Imagine that. Did he have to like, get a fucking tetanus shot or something afterwards? I think what he did. It? Yeah, I think he did. I think they they did go oh. somewhere. I'm sure. I'm sure he'd be happy to regale you with more details. But yeah, that's all he's yeah, given like us. Yeah, like a vaccination so or something. Gotta get a vaccination. Um, I don't know. Did he start coronavirus? Maybe he of did. Course. He's 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 <laughs> patient. He he's patient zero. Yeah. They. <laughs> 
uh, at Vasa Band, the band Vasa. Oh, fuck Vasa. Yeah, fuck Vasa. Uh, there, there we go. Yeah, fuck Vasa. Fuck there John. Fuck John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we all know him yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, we stayed with the promoter after we played the show in Nancy in France. We were staying in the top floor of a house and I made my way up into the room, which was in pitch darkness, and crashed out on an airbed. Woke up and there were used condoms and tissues all over the room. Oh, oh France. Uh, this one is from at Venart, our good friend. I say oh, this good friend. We've got we've got lots of good friends, but uh, yeah, Mike Venart, uh, a super eight motel but had literally been on fire the night before. Oh, brilliant. Uh, there's a good one here from Jim, uh, Jim Cork, who is in oh, yeah. uh, Holding Patterns, used to be in Crash of Rhinos, and he just says here, a house in Cleethorpes in 2002 featuring a bench-pressing Nazi and a swastika drawn on the bath. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> where's, so we're re- obviously reading tweets out, oh. but where's, where's the worst place you think that you've stayed on tour, Jamila? Honestly, like even the bad places were still good, like in the sense that they were like funny. Yeah, fair. We've never had, I've, we've never stayed, we've been really lucky. We've never stayed anywhere that was so horrendous that we were like, we're never doing this again. Yeah. Or okay. like, we're no, I never want to play a show again. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You've got a high tolerance for it by the sound of things. Oh, absolutely. That's the thing. Like, some of the ones that kind of stand out a little bit, um, so we played a show in Germany. I can't remember where it was. It might have been like Regensburg or something. Right. And it was like in a this beautiful old theatre that was squatted. Right, okay. So it, was, it was like a social centre. And afterwards they were like, oh, like you can, we have like a, a um, band apartment squat type thing you can stay right. in. okay. And we were like, okay. So we, we like walked there. It was a bit of a walk. We went and got some fucking falafel on the way. It was sick. And we got like yeah. basically like 80% of the way there. And all these like sort of people that we were with who were like probably mainly all cross punks yeah. were like sort of turned around and were like, you want to go to a drum and bass party? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> 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 we were like, what? <laughs> And uh, I was like, I don't think I do want no. to go to Drummond's face party. Um, <laughs> but a couple of us went to check it out and it was fucking wild. Um, I bet. I bet. Yeah, but we went back to this apartment and it was just like this flat that was just covered in mattresses, like really gross looking mattresses. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that really made me laugh is like the shower was like, the shower and the toilet and stuff were like coin operated. What the? F- <laughs> wow. I think it's rude, personally. Yeah, that is rude. It's kind of. Weird. I used to live. I used to live in a in a house in when I was in university where the shower was coin operated. What the fuck? Where did you go to university? That's weird. Uh, I went. It was only in Chester, but the what? But you you put the twenty p in, but the box was exposed, so you could just use the same twenty p every time you went in. So it's not like I lost any money, but it yeah, very strange. Yeah. People used to have coin operated TVs. Did they? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. That's yeah. that's a mad concept. Having an appliance in your house that you put money in. That squat story, Jim, reminds me of when we were on tour in Zarad in Spain. Yeah, with really <laughs> similar vibes. And the, again, that was just, a, was just a venue with a squat above it with loads of manky mattresses that we stayed on, uh, which also had a building 
a room adjacent to that which was playing non-stop hardcore punk like sort of basque uh, hardcore right. punk through the night through their speakers so it's a radio station that was broadcasting basically into our room Why? um with i have no idea and then there was not even a shower i had to shower because i had i just stank so you i had, i showered uh stood up uh like in a like next to a shower. sink <laughs> on my bum. No, I. Oh <laughs> uh, I showered stood up next to the sink, like this communal sink, but there was more like a, like a deep sink in like a canteen. Uh, I don't think it's style. Not, I, I'm thing. gonna. I'm just gonna um, object to something you said there, Ben, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that that's not a shower. No, it it wasn't the shower. Um, yeah, it wasn't the shower at all. But I need because as well, you can attest to Tom. I fucking honked that tour. I had a really bad foot issue. (laughs) Yeah, my feet absolutely were rotten. Right, I have no idea. You need to know when we all got home. There were nine of us in this van, so we did a three-band European tour with Cleft and Axes. It was beautiful, lovely tour. Well, intense at points, but good. We got home. All of our things smelt like Ben's feet. I'm really sorry yeah. about that. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I tried. I tried hard. You but... did, but it's difficult under those circumstances. But I'll do. I'll do one or two more tweets. All right. Yeah, can yeah. I just say one? Because we're moving on here, and I don't want to yet. Because I've got something that's funny oh, to say on. about the Zarout thing. The Ven- that place that we stayed at. My favourite thing about it was that the toilet downstairs was like a, a legitimate throne. So you had. To- it was kind of on a plinth. So you had to walk up a couple of steps and you were just sat sort of like hovering sort of two or three feet <laughs> above the floor. It was incredible. It was great. You were just like, I am, this is how, this is how the royals go to the toilet. Anyway, sorry, that was all I wanted to say. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, great interjection. Uh, a couple more tweets and then we'll, you know, piss off. We've got seven nice. minutes, um, so we need to, yeah. Seven minutes, in. good. Well, I'll fly through them. Merrick's Tusk. Uh, uh, who, again, we know, are good friends. Um, anarchist camp in Poland. Two of us slept in a shack with no windows and a, uh, and a sheet for a door. rest of us slept in the van, including Tim, who had been spiked and could only play half of our set. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. That's and then awesome. our, our guest from last week, Ben, our sound guy, responded with, if the Spanish Civil War has taught us anything, is that you shouldn't make alliances with anarchists. <laughs> Wow. Uh, <laughs> someone's just responded with Birmingham. That's not that's not fair. Just Birmingham, is that it? That's just just the, the word Birmingham. The worst place you've ever stayed on tour in Birmingham. <laughs> just the city of Birmingham. Uh the at X-Men B team um responded with 17 hours in split airport Croatia. Oh, that does uh, sound pretty bad. Uh, yeah. That's that's pretty grim. Um a lot of squats. Yeah. A lot yeah. of squats that's on pretty, these. Yeah. That's pretty standard, isn't it, um, really? I mean, yeah, well, we, it seems to be. We played a, uh, we did a show, we stayed at a venue once in Germany that was in, it's always in Germany, <laughs> um, in Cologne, that was like in this bar. And the band's like area was at the back of the bar and it was like the loft and you climbed up and it was like this whole loft area that was just covered in mattresses. And it was actually really cozy. Sounds like, really nice. Lovely. Yeah, it sounds lovely. <laughs> So we, we like got really drunk in the bar. Great. Went up there, climbed up there, went to sleep. And then got woken up at about four in the morning by this fucking noise. Realise the bar was still open, but it wasn't 
they were just having a lock-in. Oh, brilliant. Wow. And there were about, so we, so we were all woke up at about four in the morning, just like there were like fucking crackers and rice cakes everywhere. It was fucking horrible. Um, that was our fault though. Nice. Um, <laughs> and because we were fucking hammered, woke up a couple of hours later, then went back down into the bar in our pajamas and there were still like 150 people down there in the locking getting fucked up. Fucking so hell, we brilliant. then carried on partying <laughs> in, in our pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty rock and roll. I, I like that one. Yeah, like fucking playing foosball with these German dudes and drinking tequila till like 8am, which was amazing. But the, the, the downside to it, that all sounds amazing. But the bad thing was that we eventually went to bed and then we woke up in the morning and the, the bar owner or whoever it was had like locked us in basically because oh, no. he had uh... to. He didn't turn up. There was no fire exit and we were in there for hours and oh, I was like, my God. I ended up having a panic attack. I was like hyperventilating because there were bars on the windows. We couldn't get out. We were supposed to be driving to the next show and we were there for like five or six hours and I was just like having a massive panic attack and was like, oh, we're wow. never leaving this building. That's like, horrible. Yeah, he was supposed to come and let us out, but he got so drunk that he didn't turn up, basically. And I was like crawling, like fucking trying to Spider-Man my way like out of the fucking windows <laughs> and was just like, I don't care. Like I will jump out of this building. Like it was ridiculous. Oh my <laughs> God. Wow. Please you know what? Swings around about. That's a perfect place to leave it, I think. Yeah. I think so. Uh, Jamila, thank you ever so much for coming on, Jamila. Brilliant. Really good fun chat. Yeah, no it was worries. There's been uh, loads of fun. Has been lovely. <laughs> well, uh, enjoy the rest of however long this, uh, whatever this life is that we currently leading exists for. Great. And yeah, um, yeah we'll, uh, we'll see you very soon, hopefully. Nice I hope you guys see you guys soon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Take care, dude. See you Bye. soon. All Bye. the best. Bye. Bye.